0: in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned, at the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us. So be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter seven. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney.
1: Don't wait for six men to take you to church. Did y'all get that? That was the same response first service. Half people got it, half of them didn't. Okay, that means go to church before six pallbearers have to take you. Y'all got it now? All right, some of y'all won't even get it until you get in your car. I know. I'm thinking yesterday, you know, just kind of sitting and musing, pondering. And I'm thinking funerals are a strange thing i you know as a pastor of course one of my duties and one of my responsibilities is to officiate to conduct funerals and funerals are it's a very odd thing it's a very strange thing i don't care how well it goes and you know we talk about the joy of a home going And a celebration that someone's leaving this world and going to another and so on and so forth. But I have to be honest with you and tell you that it doesn't matter a funeral, memorial service, whatever you want to call it. It's a strange thing. And the reason why it's a strange thing is because it was never intended by God. Do you know that God never intended for people to die? That was never God's intention. That's why we can't get used to it. That's why we can't settle with death. That's why we can't really get our minds and wrap around, why did this person leave me? It's a very, very difficult thing because it wasn't something that was ordained by God in the beginning and even more unnatural and even more strange, I've said this to you before, is when your child dies. That is the most unnatural thing I think that happens to mankind is when a parent has to bury their child. I have never buried a child. So I don't know. And I don't care how nice people are and they come and tell you when you have to bury your child. Oh, I'm so sorry. I understand what you're going through. No, you don't. You don't understand that. Until you've lost a child. Don't you understand losing a child is different than losing a husband? Losing a child is different than losing a wife. Losing a child is different than losing your grandparents. Losing a child is different than losing your uncle or your aunt. Some of you who have lost a child here, you know what I'm talking about. It's unnatural. And it never settles with you. It never really congeals. Because... It just seems like, as an adult, your children are supposed to bury you. You should grow up, and they should grow up, and then someday you get old, and then you die. And your children bury you, and then their children bury them. But it's so unnatural, and it's so difficult when you have to bury your own child. Notice in verse 13 in your Bibles, notice it reads, when the Lord saw her, he said, don't cry. And then Jesus touched the coffin and those who carried him stood still. And Jesus said, young man, I say arise. And he who was dead sat up. Saints, let's get this in a modern day terminology or a modern day scene here. Think about it. There is a line of cars that have just left the church and they are headed for the cemetery. The hearse is in the front. The, they, they arrive at a stoplight and Jesus walks into the middle of the crosswalk. He stops the car, he opens the door, and he says to the lady, he looks in, looks at the back seat of the, the limo, the hearse, looks at the back seat. He says to the lady, he says, Don't cry. Now, you got to wonder what this woman was thinking when Jesus said that. What do you mean, stop crying? I just lost my son. And then Jesus goes to the back of the hearse, opens the door, opens the coffin, and he says, Arise, and then the dead man sits up. This is exactly what happens here. As Jesus sees this crowd, he sees the casket, he sees the tears, the mother is crying, his heart goes out to her, and he is moved with compassion. This woman's pain was in his heart. And the thing that we have got to understand about Jesus is that he is always moved with compassion. Did you know? He's always moved with compassion. He's always drawn to the one with the greatest need. And too often we think that Jesus is too busy to be bothered by us. We think he couldn't be interested in me because I'm so needy. He couldn't be interested in me because I have nothing to offer. Listen, that's wrong. Think about this. This woman was the most needy in the crowd. Why? Two things. Because number one, if you're taking notes, her source of comfort and her source of support were gone. Her source of comfort, her husband was dead. She had just lost her husband. And then she loses her son, who is her only means of support. Keep in mind, in those days, they didn't have welfare programs. In those days, they didn't have Social Security. Almost like these days. There'll be no Social Security left. So the woman of Nain, the town of loveliness, are you with me? You listening? The town of loveliness wasn't so lovely for her. But Jesus is going to restore all that. So Jesus said to the young man, young man, I say to you, arise. And when Jesus, listen, saints, you might want to write this down. When Jesus speaks to the dead, he speaks to the dead as though they are alive. I'm going to say that again in case you missed it. When Jesus speaks to the dead, he speaks to the dead as though they are alive. Mark chapter five, verse 41, Jesus took a young child by the hand and he said, Talitha kumai, which means little lamb arise. Don't you remember when he stood at the tomb of Lazarus and he said, Lazarus, come forth. You know what I like to tell you, Jesus stood at the tomb. Some of y'all been around here at Calvary Chapel. Y'all know this. Y'all know where I'm going. When Jesus stood at that tomb, and said, Lazarus, come forth, he, said, he called Lazarus by name, as if Lazarus was alive, my point. He called him by name and said, Lazarus, come forth, almost like he had to say, Lazarus, just you come forth. Because if he had just said, come forth, every dead body in that grave would've came walking out. It would've been like Thriller, Michael Jackson video. <laughs> want none of this (laughs) Lazarus just you come forth you see Jesus speaks (laughs) I don't even know where to go from there. (laughs) When Jesus speaks, he speaks to the dead as though they were alive. Here in our text, Jesus says to the young man as though he were alive, Young man, I say to you, arise. Now, I bring this to your attention because I want you to understand and I want to comfort you that although the body is dead, The spirit is alive. Did you hear me? Go ahead and clap your hands and I'm going to wait. There's no way. Look, I already told you death is like seriously unnatural. It's like I can't get my head around this. But it helps to understand something of death of what the Bible tells us. And the Bible is clear. If your grandmama, your grandfather Your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister, you got to understand when their body ceased to exist and ceased to live, if you will, their spirit lives on. The body is a tent. Please understand what you see here. This is not Pastor Rodney. This body is not me. What is me is my spirit. The body is just a house in which my spirit dwells in. It's just a a shell in which the spirit of God dwells in. The real you or the real me will never die. Although your body has ceased to be alive, the spirit is not dead. Death, if you want to write something down, death is not termination. Death is separation. Death is not termination. Death is separation. When you die, you simply move from one location to another. Every single person in this room will spend eternity somewhere. Saints, listen to me. We've got to stop asking people, do you have eternal life? Don't ask folk that. Of course they have eternal life. Everyone has eternal life. The question is not whether you have eternal life, but where will you spend it? The question is what neighborhood will you live in? I'm just trying to break it down. Where will you spend eternal life? That's the question. Everybody has eternal life. Everyone will either spend eternity in heaven or eternity in hell and separated from Jesus. Which way will you go? Where will you spend it? I like this little story. I've read it to you before. On a tombstone was written these words. Paul, stranger, as you pass me by, as you are now, so once was I. As I am now, so you will be. So prepare for death and follow me. And someone was overheard as they were reading that tombstone. They were overheard to say these words To follow you is not my intent until I know which way you went. <laughs> Amen. You understand. We're going to spend eternity somewhere. We're going to spend eternity somewhere. The question is where? Which way? Will you go? When you die, you're still a person. You don't go into nothingness, contrary to popular opinion. You don't come back as anything. Can I tell you? Should I preach? Y'all just want to get it on. Y'all, like, yeah, preach, pal. Preach. Listen. You're not coming back as anything. And then people, if you notice this, it's just me. And these people on Oprah. I I only pick on Oprah just because I pick on Oprah. Oprah's fun. Okay. But these people come back and everybody in the past life, if you notice this, everybody in the past life, you know, they were a king, (laughs) a prince, a ruler, a leader of lands. You ever notice that in the past life? Nobody ever comes back and says, you know, in my previous life, I was a, a, a peasant. I, 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 I emptied bedpans for my, my work. Uh, I cleaned floors. I was homeless in my past." Nobody ever says that. Oh, no, in the past life, you were a king, a leader of lands, a leader of people, a leader of nations. Listen, you're not coming back as anything. When you're gone from this world, you are, guess what? Gone. You're not coming back. You're not coming back as a cat. I don't know why I thought a cat. It just did. You're not coming back. You're gone. Jesus said in John chapter 5, verse 24 through 29, most assuredly I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not depart into judgment, but has passed from death into life. And most assuredly, Jesus said, I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the son of God and those who hear will live. And then he goes on in verse 28 to say, do not marvel at this for the hour is coming in which all who are in the grave will hear his voice and come forth. And those who Have done good to resurrection of life, and to those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. Here is my point, saints not just this man in name, but everybody one day will hear the voice of God. Notice in verse 14 in your Bibles, because I think verse 14 is the key to the whole story. Jesus said, Young man, I say. Please underline that. Young man, I say. That's the key. Because if it was me or it was you who said, nothing would happen. We would stand there and we'd be, young man, young man, hey, 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 young man. Young man, young man, young man, young man, hey, hey. Young man. And nothing would happen. The key here is Jesus said, young man, I say. That's the key to the whole text. I say. And the young man, the Bible says, sat up. Now, what I wouldn't give for a DVD of this scene. (laughs) Let me tell you why. I don't want a DVD because the man was healed and there was a miracle done. Don't you understand? Jesus raising the dead is no big deal. This is the man who said light be and light was. Is raising the dead that big a deal? No. No. I don't want a DVD because he raised the dead and the man was healed. I would like a DVD so I could see when Jesus said, I say to you, rise up. The man rose up. I want to see what the reaction of the pallbearers were. (laughs) When the man sat up and then he began to speak. And the, the Bible doesn't tell us, but I wonder what he said. When he sat up and he began to speak, the pallbearers probably dropped him. And I'm sure his first words, he's my sanctified, twisted imagination. He probably said, i and said, you know what? I can't believe y'all dropped me. <laughs> oh, it's like that, huh? Y'all dropped me. I can't believe you dropped me. They dropped him. I'm sure they did. He sat up and the Bible says he began to speak. Now let me give you four contrasts as we come in for a landing here. Let me give you four contrasts that we can clearly see in this story. And I want you to take some notes. If you're a note taker, you take them right here. Number one, we already talked about this. We have two crowds meet. One following Jesus. The other crowd is headed for the cemetery. Number two, we have two sons meet. We have the dead son of the widow, And we have the son of God. Are you getting me? One was physically dead and destined to live. Jesus, the son of God, was alive and destined to die. Number three, we have the contrast of two servants or sufferers, pardon me, who meet two sufferers who who meet. We have the man of sorrows acquainted with grief. Isaiah 53 tells us that Jesus was a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. And then we have Jesus who meets this woman of sorrow. Two sufferers meet. And then finally, we have two enemies meet. Jesus meets, watch this, the enemy of death. Do you realize First Corinthians chapter 15 tells us that the last enemy is death. Have you ever thought about death as an enemy and the pain that it has caused the entire world? Every single day, every single minute, someone somewhere in the world is crying and weeping. because. Think about that. Right now, as we sit in the house, that's why when I started my sermon, I started with thank God that He woke you up this morning. Because some folks, we take stuff for granted. We get up in the morning, brush our tooth, comb our hair. (laughs) comb our hair, take a shower, fix up, come to church, everything's good, it's all good and a great day. We take all of that for granted. Don't you know it was God who kept you alive all night long? You didn't keep yourself. You were sleeping, snoring. It was God who kept you alive all night long. Don't let us be people who stop taking little things for granted because the little things we take for granted are the big things that God is doing. Are you with me? And right now, right this very moment, somewhere in this world, someone is weeping and someone is crying because of death. Death is the last enemy. But thank God, Jesus conquered death. Can you give the Lord a hand? Can you do that? Jesus conquered death. And when Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. Are you with me? He, he didn't just mean redemption is finished, although that was a big part of it. Our redemption is finished. That God has paid for our sins, paid in full to tell us finished. But he also meant when he said it is finished, that the battle between death and life is, is over he has conquered death and now no believer listen no believer dies Christians never die we never die we transfer as I said we move but death has been conquered in Christ. Listen, I close with this, and I don't want you to miss the point of this story because I've heard this story taught before by many, and I think that many have missed the point. The point of this story, listen, is not that God brought someone back to life and a miracle happened. That is not, listen to me. If you have not been listening so far, please listen now. The point of this story is not that God brought someone back to life. Again, that is nothing. He can do anything. Light be, light was. Created everything that we see. That's no thing for God. God can do anything. The point of this story is to show, watch this, that we have a woman, a mother, a widow where who 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 is in a place of hopelessness, who is broke, who is alone, who is forgotten, who is in despair. She doesn't know where her next meal is coming from or how she will be taken care of. Jesus goes into this small city just at the right time and is passing by a funeral and he sees this woman and he is moved with compassion. And when you are moved with compassion, then you are moved to action. Jesus was moved to action and he did a miracle and raised the woman's son back to life. Keep in mind, this woman didn't ask Jesus to bring her son back to life. This woman did not exercise her faith to bring this boy back to life. God was moved with compassion. Therefore, we learn and the point of this story is that we serve a God of love and that we serve. Y'all can say a better amen than that. And we serve a God of compassion And he raised this boy from the dead and he gives him back to his mother and now she has hope and now she has a future. And don't you understand that that is what Jesus does. He gives people without hope, hope. And he gives people without a future, a future. And he said... And it was Jesus who said in Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, I know the thoughts that I think towards you says the Lord thoughts of good and not of evil to give you a future and to give you a hope. The point of this story is that God is a God of compassion who gives hopeless people hope and who gives people a future who have none. And I know what I'm talking about because January 23rd, I will never cease to tell you January 22nd, I didn't have a future. 1982, didn't have a future. Didn't have a hope. January 23rd, 1982, I had a future. And I had a hope. Why, you ask? Because I gave my life to Jesus. And that day, I turned my life over to God. I told God that day, take my life and do whatever you want. I had tried everything. I don't know, had I ever told you? I've been through AA. I've been through NA, Narcotics Anonymous. I've been through all of those things. I tried everything. But when I gave Jesus my life, and I meant it, God, you could do whatever you want to do. I will go where you say go, I will do what you say do. I'm yours, January 23rd. And from that day forward, I had a future, and I had hope. Uh, And God, and and that's the kind of God we serve. We serve a God who does that. He's been doing that, not just for me, but for millions and millions of people through the quarters of time giving hope, giving people a future. That's why I don't understand why people have such a problem with Jesus. Nobody got a problem with Hare Krishna. Nobody don't have have a problem with Buddha. Nobody has a problem with Mohammed. Everybody has a problem with Christians. When Jesus is the only one dispensing hope. (laughs) You need to clap your hands. I kind of like that. I like it. Maybe.